0: Welcome, everybody, to the show. How's it going? Had a good week? I hope so. It's April 29th, and this is the last week of the April of Pluto. So what we're going to do is uh, bring some final thoughts to the Pluto system and everything that we've learned from the top research that was released, the research results, and that's how we'll, we'll spend this last week. We'll also bring some orbital news. We'll talk about SpaceX, because I've been on a SpaceX kick recently. More than usual, I know. Uh, it's almost always a SpaceX kick uh, today in space. But we'll also have some other stuff, um, including some stuff that hit the Internet, both involving Pluto and some other science stuff uh, that we'll get into later. So, like always, if you want to help support the show... Uh, Please go to our Amazon link and shop through there. Cost you nothing and helps kick back a little bit to us so we can keep the lights on, keep recording, and keep pushing forward on the science products we got going here. Uh, Thank you, everyone, who who does use it. Uh, Believe me, you mean the world to me. Thank you so much. Um, And don't forget to go buy or play Pluto the Misunderstood. It's our first song, and we've got more coming. Thanks, everybody. Let's get into it this week. Woo. Today in space. Today in space. Yo, what's happening, uh, man? What a month crazy busy i don't know about you but it, it's been like ridiculous i'm i'm kind of happy the month is almost over um but i have had a lot of fun this month with you guys you know talking about pluto and kind of dedicating a whole month to it. It, it i i really like that i think we'll be doing more of that in the future here you know like uh next month we're gonna be doing that you know you're gonna be you're gonna be meeting my friends you're Gonna be meeting the people uh i hang out with the the company I like to keep that so that's gonna be a lot of fun uh, but before any of that happens, I gotta get through uh this week first and uh you know first, there's two big things this weekend uh number one, I have uh you know that bachelor party I went to uh two weeks ago two weekends ago uh that wedding is this weekend, and it's the first wedding that uh I've really been to for a friend, so this is like the next, the next stage of uh, of becoming an adult, as much as I may resist it. Um, uh, no, but it's really cool. I'm I'm really excited. It's uh, it's a fraternity brother, so that means all it's the first one. So <clears throat> only one of us is getting married. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice. Damn it! That damn cold. Has anyone else been getting this cold? That just sticks around and all the, you just phlegm all the fucking time. I'm sick and tired of it. It's been like almost three weeks and it's still there. I don't get it. But sorry. Sorry. Rant aside. It's it's the first friend. Um that's gonna get so so everyone's everyone's still free. Everyone's still got time. So uh it's gonna be a blast. I really can't wait. Um it's going to be interesting. You know, one of the things I had no idea what to do was what the hell do I get someone for a wedding cuz you know, I didn't I didn't want to do the same old thing where like you get them I don't know. I'm, I'm totally basing this off of TV and movies. I'm not even basing it off anything real. You know, uh buying them an appliance. You know, getting them something for their house. I, I don't know. I just didn't really want to do that. I I don't know just didn't seem right, so uh wanted to get something that's a little bit more personal and maybe just something that they can use in their first year. you know this is a super exciting time for them, so I'd rather them do some exciting stuff and enjoy themselves than get something that's probably going to end up in a box and never used. you know what I mean so uh so yeah that that was my idea. I'm going to go with it. (laughs) I'm going to go with my gut. All right. Uh, And the other big thing this weekend is it's also Greek Easter. I I don't know if you haven't had any Greek friends, but Greek Easter is the holiday. It, 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 It beats Christmas. It beats Thanksgiving. Greek Easter is the event of the year. I mean, it's great food. It's family, friends, lamb on a spit. I mean, I think that's one of the most exciting parts. Um, and it's a whole day event. It It, it is so exciting. I'm going to take pictures. I'll share them with you guys next week, hopefully. And uh, I'm just super excited. So um, if you have any Greek friends or you get invited to a Greek Easter, go. You're going to enjoy yourself, you're going to gain a few pounds, and you're going to enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> Alright, enough about that, let's get into the science this week. So, we're finishing up the April of Pluto, and I figured let's let's jump into a thought I had during this month that I had a chance to kind of dig deeper into and and... Kind of answer a few things for myself. Pluto! All right. So, this is an idea for really down the road. I'm talking... Let's set the stage. I'm talking... We have the ability to travel through space and live in space for an extended period of time. We've already set up posts, stations... We can do science in space, in orbit. So my thought was, with that already established and figured out, what would we do at the Pluto system? you know what what kind of things could humans do out all the way out there? You know and, and my my first thoughts were towards something like Star Trek. Where, you know, we have an orbiting station out there that could do just science on the planet. I mean, th- there could be an entire Pluto research team that is just permanently established and is constantly working. And this this, this could happen at any planet, really. I mean, when you think about it, the amount of work that could be done consistently and... and And kept up, each planet has its own environment and its own set of elements and dynamics that we could study it till the end of time. So, you know, you could have a Pluto station that's just looking at how elements work at those extreme temperatures. You know, what is the interaction of solar influence at something at that Distance of three billion miles. What what kind of influence does the sun actually have, you know? And then take it a step further. If if we ever do some basically ex- extreme cold science, you know, I feel like Pluto's a fantastic place to do that. I mean, it, it, it's it's fucking cold out there, you know, and it doesn't get very warm at all. And you know, like we've talked before, they have nitrogen glaciers floating, or is it floating on a is it hydrogen glaciers floating on a nitrogen bed? Either way. Elements that are gases on our planet are solid ice on another. You know, that's that's extremely valuable science for for chemistry, and for anything involved with those, you know, those elements, those materials. We, we can figure out a lot of stuff. And <clears throat> Pluto also might be a really good spot to set up uh, for the Kuiper Belt. Because the Kuiper Belt, just by itself, is, as, as far as I'm seeing it, a giant treasure trove. Of is that even a word? Trove, treasure trove. I don't even know. I just decided to use it for some reason. Anyways, it's an open book of. It's. It's there's just it's it's completely unfound, and we could be out there mining, extracting elements for a very long time. I don't think we'd ever get through it. I think we'd move on to something else before we were ever done with the Kuiper belt, you know, but we would have to do a bunch of stuff while we were out there you know the well let's talk about air, space mining right, so what's involved in space mining right if we're going to take this tangent so you're not just going to go out there and start mining it's just a waste of your time, you know one of the first things and this is actually being established right now by some billionaires that are actually trying to go out there and and mine in space, you need to send surveyors out there first. So it's kind of like what we did with Pluto. You know, we send a probe to fly by so that we can see what we actually have got there. So we can see what we're dealing with. So you would do the same thing with a surveyor craft or surveyor probe. Uh, You would go to, yeah, you'd probably go to one location at a time, maybe do an orbit or two, um, check it out, do some scans, some kind of spectroscopy, I I would assume, so you can figure out, you know, what's, uh, maybe some radio stuff so you can get some depth if you could to see, you know, are there any mineral veins, you know, um, what's in this thing that we want to mine? You know, and actually even before that, you might even be uh, with long-range observations from... Some telescope uh, you would kind of get an idea of where you want to go first and then send the surveyor probe you know and then after that, uh, you might send an orbiter to find out even more, depending on how valuable you really think it 's going to be, and then you 'd send a mining craft and i it would have to be autonomous we even if even if we were out there. Yeah, you know, the Pluto system, and and you know, still assuming that we've already set up living in outer space and going out there. I still think automation of of the mining just makes more sense. You would obviously have people coming in and out to try and check it out, um, make sure it's running, uh, maybe make some adjustments. But I mean, for the most part, space mining is going to be autonomous. And then you know, it it could get a little weird too, you know. They, because I'm trying to think of it, you know, with the regular mining, you can, like, make piles, right? You can kind of dig, lift it up with, I don't know, a bulldozer or something like that, and put it in a pile, and then search through it later. Space mining, you got to be careful, because however you're extracting that, if you're doing, like, a giant, I don't know, chisel drill or something like that, that's, like, jackhammering the surface, uh, wouldn't that go everywhere, right? So... Uh man, space mining, is, that's, my mind is just filling up with all the different things that would have to happen. <laughs> space mining is not going to be easy. Let's just put it that way. I mean, uh, especially if we try to do it anything like we do on Earth. Um, it's not going to work out very well. Um, I like the idea that NASA has about going out there, getting an asteroid, bringing it into an orbit closer to home and then working on it from there because it's a reasonable distance that we can then go out there and then you know observe it mine it uh and then bring our our astronauts back home you know a lot of that has to do with the fact that our automation just and our, our robotics are just not at the point where they can really go out there and be autonomous you know and, and work on their own um you just you still can't beat the uh, the amount of data that just a human being, a, a geologist, really being out there. What they can do on the field is still gonna outweigh any robot that we could send there. Um, because even if we built that robot, God, we had we'd have to hope and pray <laughs> that it still works in space. So. Yeah, space mining, not going to be easy. But something we probably could do out at the Pluto uh, station. I'm guessing Pluto would be some kind of uh, station out there. But it would also depend on where we were trying to mine in the Kuiper Belt system. Because if I'm not mistaken, Pluto goes in and out of the Kuiper Belt. Could be wrong. But um, so it's moving. So, uh, assuming that the Kuiper Belt is orbiting at a similar speed or rotation, then maybe that'll work. But it probably doesn't work that way. So, uh, yeah, maybe that won't work. But it's fun to think about, right? It's fun to think about down the road what we could do. Because if we don't think about it, then... You know, how are we going to make our next steps? How are we going to get to the next point with any of this stuff? And I think that's one of the big things that this new Pluto research, the New Horizons team has done is given us the next goal to reach for. You know, now we know what Pluto looks like. Now we've got an idea of what we're dealing with. So now we can start making our plans of what's next. You know, what 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 what's the next thing we need to learn? And the cool thing is we actually have people, the New Horizons team, who are actually working on that. You know, and I I hope to uh, bring one of the members of the team on the show here so we can talk about that in the future. And speaking of the New Horizons team, uh, uh, this week, I think a few days ago, uh, the New Horizons team finally proposed their next steps, their second part of the mission for New Horizons, as it delves deeper into the Kuiper Belt. Um, Now, when I first saw the link online, uh, as most of these trend uh, lists fail to do a lot of the time, is they pull some, I don't know, headline that most of the time, is kind of right, but in this case was just totally wrong. The headline actually read that there's going to be a second flyby of Pluto. So I, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, like that's, that's a great thing. That they, they proposed it already right away. I mean, why, what better way to jump off With the momentum that they have with New Horizons and Pluto, than to propose another mission. Now. That's when people are most interested. But, of course, like, we all know the internet is. You gotta dig deeper. Or, (laughs) because you can't just take it for what it is. So, I dug deeper into it. And that's not the case. They're not doing that. They have not proposed a second mission to fly by Pluto. But... What they did propose is something they've been talking about, um, at least since I've been following them at you know the National Social event uh, last year for New Horizons. They're proposing what to do with New Horizons now as it goes further into the Kuiper Belt. They've uh, finally chosen a Kuiper Belt object that they're going to go to, and we're actually going to get our first image of an actual Kuiper Belt object, which... Uh, that's what the title of the article said, which uh, I found a little bit confusing because I thought Pluto was a Kuiper Belt object. But I think that's assuming I think that's from from a pro, a pro Pluto planet person. So um, <laughs> so I don't I don't know uh, if that's technically correct because I I always thought Pluto was the king of the Kuiper Belt. So you know, what other object are we talking about here? But really, I mean, what we found from the research, that actually might be correct. Because based on what the Pluto system is made up of and just how different it is from the rest of the Kuiper Belt objects, it's probably not too far off to say that the next object we're going to will be our first view at what the Kuiper Belt looks like. So what I'm assuming there is that it has that same makeup uh, as the rest of the Kuiper belt. So uh, that's really cool. I'm, I'm super excited about that. And again, can't wait to talk to one of the members of the New Horizons team about that as well, because I'm sure they're going to be super excited about it. It'd be great to get their uh, their uh, their take on the whole thing. So that's I, I, I can't thank them enough for everything that they've done Everyone on the New Horizons team, thank you so much for putting together such a great mission and not only that you've you've done the science fantastically, but you've also presented it to us in a way that's modern, that's of this century. You know, the New Horizons mission has shown us what's capable of planetary exploration. You know, we've we've had Pictures come back, images, which at the time were mind-blowing. It was uh, like pulling back the curtain to a whole new world. And I think we kind of, nowadays, in in today's world, we kind of get caught up in the fact that we've just got all this information and we kind of forget sometimes that we still don't know shit. No, we all get caught up in that, that, oh, you know, we know everything now. Everyone's thought of it at some point. Um, and the thing about the New Horizons team and what they've done with New Horizons <laughs> is the level of detail that we can get is incredible. But more than that, we're able to essentially bring us there to the planet visually visually. In, in a way that was not possible before, you know pretty much as soon as they release that data, everyone is able to see it. You know, that wasn 't a thing ten years ago. never mind, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, it just was unheard of, you know, and setting that bar high of When you go to a planet now, when you go to an object in the solar system, in the universe, this is what we're expecting now. And um, I'm very happy to have met those people who worked on it. They're they're all great people from what I can tell. (laughs) And uh, I can't wait to see what else uh, we we end up doing here in the future. I, I can't wait to see what... New Horizons is going to be capable of doing at the next Kuiper Belt object. You know, take take all the pictures. I mean, everyone has now Pluto etched in their head of what it looks like. We have Sputnik Planum, the heart. Everyone knows that heart now on Pluto. You know, everyone's seen that that picture of the the rugged uh, terrain of that that close up flyby. You know. Once we get that next cover belt object and it looks weird and it looks strange and it looks like something we expect out of a science fiction novel or movie or that's going to get people charged up. Because New Horizons is going to be take New Horizons is going to be able to take such great pictures that that will then be etched in our head and then then we've got something to shoot for. You know, one of the big reasons why, you know, people love Mars so much is because it's kind of attainable. It's attainable within our lifetimes. It's attainable if we go for it. Yes. (laughs) Is it just as difficult, actually more difficult than what we did going to the moon? Yes. It's in the same league. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. And by having a spacecraft like New Horizons and being able to see these things in such detail, it makes it definitely possible that we can go there again or that we can go somewhere else. And that's what I've loved about everything that New Horizons has put out there. They've... They've done a great job scientifically and on social media online. So, once again, (laughs) thank you very much to the whole team and all the hard work you put in because you probably don't get enough of it. But I appreciate each and every one of you. And I know everyone listening here does too. And, I mean, you know, it's good to have a whole month of material. I mean, that helps too. (laughs) That definitely helps. Alright, let's take a quick jump into the world of SpaceX Give you guys a little update of what's going on They've already announced that May 3rd They're going to be attempting another launch and landing So that's uh, going to be launching from Cape Canaveral uh, And was confirmed according to Air Force's 45th Space Wing Which, holy crap, I would love to be a part of that That's incredible Uh, (laughs) you're part of the the 45th Space Wing. Anyways, the Falcon 9 will attempt to launch a Japanese communications satellite to an orbit more than 22,000 miles above the equator, according to Florida Today. And they're going to once again attempt to land on one of the autonomous spaceport drone ships that it landed on earlier this month on April 8th which was the first time we landed at sea. And remember, that rocket, remember, that rocket landed, was brought back to the port, and brought back in for inspections. And we haven't heard anything bad yet. So for all we can assume, everything was a success. And I mean anything is a success when you do the impossible, which is land a rocket on a barge in the middle of the ocean. That right in itself is a, is a success. <laughs> the next step is to figure out okay, how much is it going to cost to then bring it back to being usable? Because then that that's 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 the the fine line is okay. We got it. This is the cost of doing it the old way, which is rocket by rocket by rocket. Just keep building new rockets or launch land fix, repeat. So that's that little margin right there of difference. That's where they're trying to save the money for spaceflight. And the great thing about a company like SpaceX is they're going to keep working on making everything they're doing better. So that margin of cost, how much it costs between the old way and the new way of launching into space is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, which means more and more and more money for science to be done, for space travel to be done. And not only that, take even the money side, take that away. We'll be able to launch more things during the year. We'll be able to put more science up into space and into orbit than we were ever capable of before. So this giant machine of space science is rolling now. You know, these steps of reusability are hugely important. You know, the SpaceX Falcon 9 is a rocket capable of doing a lot of the science that we're already doing today. Launching payloads. Um, delivering satellites into orbit. Those are the types of things that we can do with the SpaceX rocket. And then you've got the other side. Oh, well, sorry. Before we jump to the other company that's also doing that, SpaceX, Falcon 9, and Dragon can also send humans into space, but that still needs to be tested. So the capabilities of the SpaceX rocket system is pretty much all around. But then you've also got, at the same time, a company like Blue Origins, which is primarily working on bringing humans into space with the goal of making living and working in space a reality for everyone. And so we've got both both paths happening at the same time, which doesn't happen. I mean, but that's that's the great thing about the space industry is we have these races, the space races, you know, luckily this time it's, it's a competitive race between private companies and billionaires and not between world superpowers for potentially, uh, military position. So that's good. It's a little bit lighter, a little bit, uh, you know, it's not as a uh, do or die, um, literally but that doesn't take away the difficulty of it you know some people might argue you know if if we don't have that that fear in the back of someone else beating us and having the high ground we won't advance as quickly or we won't advance as much as we wanted to and that's true if the situation is the same which government agencies launching things for military purposes. Uh, Yes, that is true. They will definitely get the money they need (laughs) to work on things to put them up faster. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But the way we were doing it the last few decades after that space race ended is not that great either because then you take away the fire and, well, really the, the... the money that's available, understandably. You know, it's not a, it's not a matter of um, national defense. So it doesn't need that much money. I get that. I get that. But you also put it in the hands of politicians. You put it in the hands of people who um, are trying to, who, who don't necessarily have the best interests of the space industry. Now, you take that and you put it into something like competition between companies to to be the first ones to jump on this whole new industry and you've got something exciting because you've got people with capital Elon Musk Jeff Bezos who have the money to put into the original stuff which then allows us to push further faster we don't have to wait for s- politicians to agree on things and s- politicians and scientists to agree on things on where they need to go there there's there doesn't need to be compromises made we don't need to say oh well we've got to slash this budget you know we don't have to make those decisions of okay you know we're going to we started this program but ah uh, you know we got it wrong So let's just end it. And then the money gets wasted. All this money, you know, you could say it's, it's an R and D, right? (laughs) And if no one else is competing, if they're the only ones competing for this, as long as they succeed, there's going to be a payback down the road. So from a business sense, it's a huge risk, but the payoff in the end is huge because now you are the leaders in the industry. And that's a huge thing. But the other thing that's different from any other business venture, any other industry in itself, is the capture of exploration, space exploration. That anyone who's ever taken any time to really think about it really gets excited about the possibilities of what we could do, what's possible. And that's everything that I love that's going on with this private space race. We're able to go for it with the same ideas that have made this country great before, which is the ability to go out there and go for it. You can't do that anywhere else in the world. Here you can. And we actually have people with the balls (laughs) to go out there And go for it. And they've done spectacular. Both of those companies have done the impossible. They have launched and landed reusable spacecraft. Stated as impossible before this. And keep watching because it's going to get crazy. Because here's another thing that came on the internet this week. SpaceX, officially on both their Facebook page and their Twitter page, said, let me pull it up here, one second, I want to make sure I get the the full effect of this, okay? All right, SpaceX said in a tweet, April 27th, Planning to send Dragon to Mars as soon as 2018. Red Dragons will inform overall Mars architecture. Details to come. What? People, 2018. They're going to be sending the Dragon spacecraft to Mars on the Falcon Heavy rocket. And landing them. What the fuck? That's crazy. We would never see that with NASA without a national defense budget. Impossible. Wouldn't happen. Because there would be all this tape in the way. Bureaucratic tape. We're going to actually attempt. SpaceX is going to attempt. The human race is going to attempt to land a spacecraft that will potentially, in the future, bring humans to Mars in 2018. That's less than two, well, two years away. We'll give the entire of 2018, right? In two and a half years, as long as the schedule goes fine and the Falcon Heavy development continues and the pace it's at, and the Dragon Capsule as well, we will be testing And practicing, that's the most important part. We're going to be practicing landing on Mars before we go to Mars on a spacecraft that will bring those humans to Mars. And and let me explain further what I mean. Historically, in a space program, we've had these different programs like the Apollo program. Or the Mercury program that had a specific spaceship that was used and tweaked and fixed so that we knew when we did these missions with humans, we were practiced. We were a well-oiled machine and we could expect all that we could expect out of going into space. We're able now, because of a company like SpaceX, because of the the design work that they've done, the engineering, their entire system is something that can be built upon itself and practiced and become that well-oiled machine. You know, one of the biggest problems we've had in the space industry is we've, Tried to start projects, and then they die, and then, because they have no funding left, or just, for whatever reason, they don't end up going anywhere. So we build these things, and they, get, they then they get trashed. And I, it's a speculation, but I wouldn't be surprised if these people who've been working on it have just become jaded, and they're like, alright, well, this is our environment, so... We just need to build something in the amount of time we have With the amount of budget that we can get To get the mission done SpaceX doesn't necessarily have that problem They've built an entire system That can be used over and over and over again And made better You know we're going to be able to practice landing on Mars, which is a huge step in going to Mars. And realistically, we wouldn't have seen any landing attempts until 2030, 2040, because the space launch system is still being worked on. Hasn't even been really tested. The Orion capsule has been tested for its first run. But it'll be a while before we see that tested again. So with what SpaceX is doing and the speed at which they're able to move forward. Because they're a company, a private company. With the direction being all their own. They can do stuff like this. And the great thing is because it is the space industry and it is space travel, this isn't something that then becomes something that only one country or one group of people is able to do. This is something that other countries, other organizations are going to be able to purchase and use themselves. So this benefits everybody. and we and to go back again I know I've I've said it before but a few times now to be able to practice landing on Mars is such a huge game changer because as it stood with the way NASA's plans are and really they're the only ones um other than SpaceX it 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 seemed like it was going to be this ridiculous chain of events that would then lead to one big one try. And if it failed at all, it, during any of those million things that need to happen in order to get something there, to even try a first one, if anything went wrong, or if, if a politician got in there and shook the boat, rattled the cage, That would have screwed up the timeline tremendously. And it never would have happened. Because you can't bank on everyone still agreeing... Five years from now. Ten years from now. Never mind the 20 or 30 it would take for us to actually go to Mars. So you know what I'm saying? We would have to bank on the fact that politicians and scientists could get along for 25 some odd years to get the money and the budget that they required to make this mission possible. And Never mind the different presidents and, and their agendas. So with a company like SpaceX, they can take their own direction and stay on that path And appropriate the amount of money necessary, and the amount of research, and the amount of engineers, and the amount of things that need to get done to get us to Mars. I firmly believe, and I've said it many times before, that the private industry is one of the main reasons we will get to Mars. Actually, I don't think I've ever said that, but I'm saying it now. (laughs) I thought I did. Without the private space industry, we would not make it to Mars. At least in our lifetimes. And the great thing is, NASA can use us, can use us, like I'm part of SpaceX, at least not yet. NASA can use SpaceX as a contractor. They can use them as a consultant. They can use them. They can work together to go to Mars. Which definitely in, in a lot of other industries is not the move to make. Because <laughs> it's competition. You don't want your competition, you know. And that's the great thing that I love about the space industry is that it's more than that. It's about an end goal that everyone who's in the industry can agree on which is exploring space. It's very cool. Not only that, but that SpaceX has taken the same route that NASA has, the very open um, publication of what they're doing. You know, they really don't hide any punches about anything. I mean, if you've watched any of their, uh, especially the new stuff that they've been putting up, they actually show you how they're making the dragon capsule, the Falcon nine, you know, they're showing you all that stuff like NASA has done for years, over 50 years. I don't think they've been showing it for over 50 years, but you get my point. We're very lucky to have these people working on this stuff so that we can get there. And if you're an engineer out there who's an engineer, scientist, anyone who wants to get into the space industry, you don't have to be an engineer necessarily. Look into these companies that are working towards this, because if it's going to take us 20 something years and the momentum is now to go to Mars, guess what? They're going to be hiring. They're going to be looking for people to work on the next project. So go for it. I know I am. So come with me. Let's do this shit. Let's go. Get our asses to Mars. And eventually to Pluto. But that's down the road. That's down the road. Okay. Now, to finish off this week's episode, I want to drop something that got dropped on the internet this week that is just mind-blowing and another example of science being available to people. and and being accessible, which is something NASA has always done and is something that SpaceX is doing now. CERN, which is, I'm guessing the, the company, I'm not even sure what CERN actually is, but you've heard of CERN because you've heard of the Large Hadron Collider that collides particles in order to see what happens when that happens. Right, It's a terrible, terrible explanation. But as this article says for ScienceAlert.com, they're catching the glimpse of the heart of matter. We're able to see what happens when particles smash together at, at, as what they say is incomprehensible energies. Now, why are we talking about CERN? We're talking about them because they dumped 300 terabytes of Large Hadron Collider data online. And not only that, it's public domain. It's completely free and high quality data. And this is from the compact muon solenoid experiment at the Large Hadron Collider. If you haven't grasped... Just, just how crazy that is. This is front-line, bleeding-edge research that <laughs> they've just decided to give to everybody. Now, it's not everything. And in fact, what it is, as this article says, is about a third of it, a third of the information consists of 2.5 inverse femtobars, barns, <laughs> from proton collisions which, to give you a number of how many collisions that is, that's 250 trillion particle collisions. And that's half of the data collected by the experiment in just 2011. So that's that's crazy. So this really, as far as what they've had as data, it's not that much. But it's an incredible thing and an incredible gift to give to the world, to humankind. And uh, apparently the CERN scientists did this because they're trying to inspire the next generation of particle scientists and researchers. And as uh, Caddy Lucilla Perini, who works on the CMS experiment, said, once we've exhausted our exploration of the data, we see no reason to not make them available publicly. And the benefits are numerous, from inspiring high school students to the training of the particle physicists of tomorrow. And personally, as CMS's data preservation coordinator, this is a crucial part of ensuring the long-term availability of our research data. So, a badass move by the CERN scientists to keep their work alive. You know, that's really what it is. They're 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 making a mark on the internet to say, hey, here it is. Go ahead and do what you want with it. This is the research we've been working on. Now, if you were going to go on this, you're going to need uh, a lot of time and a badass computer. Probably some kind of supercomputer um, to even work on this stuff. But that means kids can can create projects on particle collisions that means students can do their projects on something that they want to because this data is available you know there's going to be so many projects available in colleges and in some select high schools depending on how dedicated the students are and that's it's going to be for years you know, and, and one of the thoughts I had was, <laughs> you know, what other reason, other than it being the scientifically noble thing to do, and uh, as they said, uh, there's no reason not to make them available after we've already gone through the data. Um, it's one of those things that, was it just, is it just so much data that, it really doesn't matter if they give us half the data collected in an experiment in 2011 you know does it really make a difference uh as far as you know the research they're doing you know it doesn't get in the way of of what they're doing you know or do they hope maybe that some some genius comes along and figures out something they couldn't it it could be all of that but it's it's some pretty wild stuff and I'm not going to get to it anytime soon, but I'll definitely keep you guys updated throughout the year to see, uh, you know, if there's any schools who do these projects um, with this data or if anyone who has the time and computing power to actually go through it goes through it. So we'll keep you updated uh, as as the future rolls along here because that's really what we're talking about in this episode and, and pretty much every time we talk about this anything's involved with this stuff is I'm just, my mind is just going crazy. It's the future. Get excited about it. This is just craziness. And that's what I I like to bring to you guys every week is something good, something exciting, something new, something futuristic. And I thank you for staying with us and listening. And we're going to have way more to come. Remember next month. We've got all my friends coming on. And uh, can't wait for you to meet them and to hear their stories. And uh, it's some old school podcasting, man. It's just going to be people hanging out, having a conversation. You can come along for the ride. So thank you for listening this month. And always, I've really enjoyed the April of Pluto. So to finish off, let's end it with Pluto the Misunderstood, which means now we're going to need to make another song because now we are starting to understand Pluto. So thank you for listening. Have a great week. Spread science. Spread love. And have a great, great week. See you, folks. Today, people still make claims that Pluto was wrongly changed and should rightly be a planet. search for a scientific definition, definition of the word of the planet. 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 Those classifications, the classifications are as follows. One, One celestial, body, celestial must body must be in orbit around its sun. Two, sun. the planet itself sun. must be round sun. in sun. shape. Sun. And three, sun. the planet must sun. have nothing sun. in its path. So, so, Pluto so, passed moon. all moon. but the last sun. classification sun. And was, it was demoted. demoted. <laughs> victim of injustice? of injustice, please, please, do me a favor, please. go, find a, go mirror. find a mirror, now look at yourself no, and be honest. be honest, why do you, why care? you care, did someone, did someone not you? Love, you? love you, who hurt you, people, we got, we it, wrong. got it wrong, it shouldn't matter it shouldn't what it is, because this is clue